So we're going to start a new series. As you know, we finished the seven churches in Revelation. Then we did after what the church should look like and how important that is. We then looked at chapters four and we saw the fact that that should lead us to be worshipers of God. Then we looked at chapter five, which we should be praising and honoring and glorifying um, not only the Father in the th- on the throne, but also Jesus, our Savior in heaven. And we saw the picture that John got to see as he was brought up into heaven to see the heavenly things. And the question then was like, okay, Lord, what is the next step? And that is, how do we change? How do we biblically change? How do we get discipled up to be the person of a worshiper of God, but also not only a worshiper of God, but as a church body, how do we get discipled up to be the church that we want to be that is pleasing to our Heavenly Father? So God put on my heart to do a, uh, a series on discipleship, and we're going to be going through a series. I'm not sure how long that series can be. That can be quite some time, many, many Wednesdays from now. But we're going to start off from the basics. So when you're discipling someone up, you start with the basics. And then you, once you realize where they stand in their relationship with God, then you know where to start building on that. But it doesn't matter where they're at. There's always room for change, biblical change, that needs to take place in our lives. And God is so gracious and so loving and so caring and so kind to reveal those things by His Holy Spirit to reveal in our lives the things that need to change and how important it is. It's a life, once you're saved, it's your pursuant of, uh, of just allowing God to sanctify, to do a good, the good work in his life, in our lives, I should say. And he says, I start this good work. I am faithful to complete that work. And how is that completed in our lives? And that's the series Uh, we're going to take on Wednesday nights for a while is take you through that so that you can evaluate your own life but also as you're helping others and you're discipling others in the faith um, or to bringing someone to Christ that they can give their life to to him. Uh, We're going to start with those basics so that you have those down in understanding and we'll methodically go through that and each and every single one of the teachings will take that piece by piece or I refer to it as a step-by-step. And so tonight we're going to take the first step tonight and, uh, and talk about grace and talk about salvation. And so that you can write those down if you'd like or follow along. But if you would open up your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to take the first 10 verses, which is critical for you and for me to not only know where we stand in our relationship of how we start in that relationship with God, but also to bring someone who doesn't know God or they're not sure. They've been playing religion their whole life. They know of God, uh, but they don't know God personally. Um, These are the verses that we're going to be touching on throughout and key points for you to be able to to share with that person that God has brought across your paths. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for this evening and to be able to gather here and open up your word. We're thankful for this place, Lord. We're thankful for the fact that we can start gathering here back on, uh, uh, starting to gather here on Wednesday nights, but also obviously on Sundays and any other opportunities uh, of the different ministries through the week, Lord. And we again, uh, we look forward to bringing the whole family back together uh, for Wednesdays and Sundays especially. 
But as, as we go forward here, Holy Spirit, we ask you just to move in a mighty way in the hearts of people who are listening, that can hear your voice, Lord, that you would, they would hear you, they would receive what you have for them tonight, and they would make change, biblical change, in their lives as your Spirit moves them and molds and shapes them with your loving hands. We thank you and praise you for this evening. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. So right up front, as a believer, make note, this is speaking to believers in these, these verses. And at one point, he touched your life that was dead spiritually and made it alive. He transformed your life right there and even while you were dead and I was dead in my trespasses and sins, we were missing the mark of what God wanted for you in my life and wanted, he wanted in our lives. And he, you were, were constantly missing the mark, sinning or trespassing against the things that God said for us not to be doing in his, for, as his creation. In verse 2, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now now works in the sons of disobedience. So don't forget, as he's saying here, we cannot forget that we once used to walk according to the world. If you're not walking according to God's way, you are walking according to the world's way that is moving and shaping you and molding you and moving you in a direction and darkness. You have no idea. You're just kind of going with the flow and with the culture and with the emotions and with the ups and downs and the terrible things that have happened in your life that's just absolutely horrifying because the sin of the world has ravaged people's lives and those people's lives then ravage other people's lives. It's amazing how Satan is dividing and conquering and destroying people's lives after one after another. And so we too, at one point when we got saved, we sometimes forget where we came from. And so when it comes time to reaching other people, we forget where we came from. We, we used to be just like them. And so we're being reminded here, we once used to walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, demonic forces, the demonic spirits, the darkness, the principalities and the darkness of this world. Satan and demonic forces are literally at work, and we have been witnessing that, as many of you know the story here the last couple of weeks. We have witnessed it and watched it through teenager lives and adult lives, and we see that God is, is so much, so we need to be used by God to reach the people in this community. And we're watching it on TV and across the world, across the, the United States and the, the state of New York here where we're present. And we can see that this world and the prince of the air, uh, power of the air and the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, the, the non-believers, Satan is working in and through and the demonic force working in and through the sons of disobedience to ravage what is around, around us. Verse 3, and among whom also we all once conducted ourselves. And how did we used to conduct ourselves when, before we got saved? We used to conduct ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And where by nature, that old nature we had, right, that has been now brought into a new nature, that old nature, the children of wrath, just as the others. So we're reminded what and how we were like. 
We just, whatever, our minds used to ravage us and control us to do things. And the lust of the flesh, our flesh used to be filled with lust and desires for things that were absolutely against God and and controlling us. And it's against that nature, that children of wrath, that's our nature, that old nature, that sinful nature that needed to change. That needed to be redeemed and needed to be rescued. And, uh, and, And Jesus came to do that, but we must choose him. To be set free. We must choose to follow him and ask him to come into our lives and allow the spirit of God to bring us to life and not to leave us in death. But verse 4 is where everything changes. It pivots everything right here. But God who is rich in mercy because of his love, his great love, with which he loved us. Because he loved us so much in our dead state, in our lustful state, our mind-ravaged state, he says, I love you so much I don't want you to stay there. I'm going to give you a way out if you choose that. Based on his mercy. Based on his grace. And by grace, he showed that love to you and I, and we gave our life to Jesus Christ. We surrendered all. He could become Lord of our life, take over all things. We ask for forgiveness of the sins. And we, by his grace, by his grace, by his grace, and his rich mercy, he rescued us. Even when, in verse 5, when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Period. By faith, And by grace here, in our faith in Jesus Christ and what Christ has done on the cross, we by that faith we have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come we might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. You cannot do it. I could not do it. You cannot work hard enough, smart enough, and and be ingenuitively enough. If that's a word that I just came up with, maybe. But that, regardless of what you try to make up and try to figure out and make your own little concoctions to say how you're going to save yourself and pull up your bootstraps wherever you're from in this country, if you're from the South. The bottom line is, we see in the scriptures, it's clear, you cannot save yourself. It is the gift of God, the salvation, the gift of salvation. He hands everyone, offers everyone to choose life, choose him. And it's not of works. Even if you think they're godly works. Even if you think these are good works that everyone, no one else is doing and you've given a lot of money. Because you think you can get yourself out there and you, you know, you've got 10 million, you throw out a half a million, you think it's, it, you're just straining yourself over this. Because the works is not going to save you. Lest anyone should boast, because you will boast. Look what I gave. Look what I do. Look what I've accomplished. No, you're not going to be able to boast. And verse 10, for we are his workmanship. Whose workmanship? God's workmanship. He saves us, and then he starts uh, this good work, and he's faithful to complete that work, as we know in the scriptures, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
So those verses are absolutely key. I would recommend we all we can continue to read those at least once a year as you're going through your Bible and reading the whole Bible in one year. You're going to get to that verse there, those verses, and you're going to remind yourself of where you came from to kind of humble yourself, to really ground yourself again and recognize the grace of God. By his grace, you have been saved. It's only by his love that he's reached down and grabbed a hold of you and me. And we've just been brought up out of the miry clay of darkness. Now, as we take a look at these key points here, we must understand that God enables you and I to take the necessary first step. It's him who allows us to take that first step toward this changed life, this new life that he's given you and I, because we're now alive. We're no longer dead. It's a new life that you live in. The old life has passed. It's no longer who you are. Once you're saved and you're forgiven, you're no longer the identity of what you have been living the whole life up to that point. You're now a child of God. You're now a saved person who who's, has a complete beautiful destiny ahead of you starting now once you get saved and going into heaven to be in the arms of your Lord. But he gives us that first step. This step is, 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 is that step we must take. It's our responsibility to respond to God's demonstrated love for you and I in Christ Jesus. Just as we read these verses. God gives us a way and makes us a way. We must take that response, that responsibility of taking that first step by faith toward Jesus. He's given it to you. He's right there. Here's, this, here's the salvation. Here's this, the gift. Take that first step and watch your life change. Because God's plan for you and I to change us in a biblical way, according to his word, is, is all centered on not what, not where, but who. The entire God's plan for your life to change you biblically is all based and centered upon his son, Jesus Christ, in that relationship. That's it. <laughs> You know, people will say, what, what, how many steps do I have to do? There's one first step, please. Start a relationship with Jesus and fall in love with him and just follow him the rest of your life. How do you know what he wants for your life? Well, that's called the Bible. That He's given us the Bible to for teach us and to show us all things that we need for this life. You don't have to add. You don't delete. You just follow. And why is that? Because you must recognize as a very simple basis of teaching anyone who doesn't know Christ is that God, um, God expects perfection. Why? Because God's standard is one of perfection we see in the scripture. And you cannot meet it by your own efforts. It's impossible. You can't save yourself. You can't even say, I can be saved because my grandmother was a godly woman. I will be saved because my dad was saved. I'll be saved because my spouse is saved. No one else, nor yourself, can save yourself from you. <laughs> 
You cannot, and no one or yourself can redeem you. Only one can redeem you, and that is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And you need to recognize that. As the very start of the basis, you recognize that when you became a believer. You recognize, I cannot save myself, and only Jesus. And I don't know how this all plays out. I, know, I don't know him enough, but I just know that right now he's touching my heart, and I, I know I, by faith, I'm going to take this step, this first step, and I'm going to give my life over to him. And when I do that, I'm recognizing my helplessness to meet God's perfect standard. And I recognize at that point when he touches my heart that I need to repent. I need to turn away around 180 degrees from the life I was living. So I needed to repent of the sin. I need to recognize I'm a sinner and I need to change. No one's going to get saved until they get to the point where they say, I need to change. And then you call out to God and say, I know that you're the only one who can save me. And you, and you just surrender all, even though you may not know it, understand it all. But it's only by God's grace and his mercy you recognize your lost condition. And it's only based on his grace and mercy that you believe wholeheartedly and sincerely of the Lord Jesus Christ to receive that gift of eternal life that he's offering you. And not only do you recognize what he is offering you, but you also recognize and you see the fact that God is willing to forgive your sins. And you just come to this point where the Spirit is moving and you know it. And you, and, and you need to remember the day of your salvation. Do you remember it? You should. It should be as clear as can be. So the question is, if you do not already have this sincere, wholehearted, pure, genuine, personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, what do you do then? Because you have a spiritual problem you have to deal with. You're dead in your spirit. And only God can solve this problem of spiritual problem in your life. And the only one that can do it, and the only way that can happen, is only with the relationship to Jesus. There, without the relationship with Jesus, you cannot have a solve your spiritual problem. What happens if you don't? And what happens if what, how you've been living your life apart from Christ? How is your life look? Let me remind you, or let me remind you if you're living that today you would be hopelessly separated from God for eternity. Which means complete darkness. And everything that represents of the character of God will not be in your life. You'll be spiritually dead in your own sin. You will literally be smothered in the sin of your life. Drowning sometimes, people. I feel like I'm drowning. Whatever that is that you, you seem to say, maybe as a non-believer, what you say when you're, you're just know you're going down. 
Or would you remember when you were not saved and those things that you used to say? Because you were spiritually dead in your own sin and you were absolutely hostile to God. You may not have agreed with it. You may not admit that right now, but your actions and your words and everything are hostile to God. It was opposite of what God represents in his nature. And you were blind to the fact that Satan controlled and the principalities and the darkness of the world were actually leading you and causing you to do things and say things and go places that you would not in your own right mind as being a saved person now, regenerated, you would never go back to those places. You didn't even realize you were captivated by him and that you were doing his will. You thought you were just living life because everyone else seems to be doing this. You don't even recognize because you were blinded by Satan. The fact that your life you're living was absolutely controlled and being used by him to fulfill his will. And you became and recognized the fact that you were complete power, powerless to overcome your sins. The sins in your life completely had a grip and a hold of you that you could not shake. And you try and you try like the little engine that went up the hill. I mean, you just chuck, 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 chuck. You always were trying to something new, some new pose and, and meditate and drink this and work yourself and work out until you can't lift another weight and run until you can't breathe anymore. Whatever it is that you've tried to overcome your sins to try to drown them out. And for some, yes, you tried to drown out your past or take enough drugs to numb yourself so you don't remind you of the fact that you were powerless to overcome the sins and the things of your past or present. And you were unable to understand the things of God. So many times people who are unsaved, you'll sit there and they'll say, well, I've read the Bible, but you, I don't completely, I don't understand that. And you say things and like, I don't understand what you're saying. That's just, that's just that religious stuff why because when you're unsaved you cannot understand the things of god and once you are saved and the spirit lives within you and you're alive then you're able to understand things when you read the bible you actually god gives you understanding and then you're very much unable to walk according to God's ways, or let alone please God. You're just not able to do that because your nature and your, your life was controlled by this world and by demonic forces. And so you're not going to produce anything good in your life. You're not going to be able to, you'll be incapable of living any kind of a spiritually fulfilled, meaningful life. And how many times have you met people who say, I just... I, I, that, that person's not going to amount to nothing. How many times I've been told that in my life? I've lost count. So what's the answer? What's the answer to your spiritual problem? The answer is found in God's Son, Jesus Christ. And it's only by His grace and merciful love, God gave His one and only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, as the only answer for this helpless spiritual condition you and I found ourselves in at one point. And since you and I couldn't save ourselves or do anything to, to receive God's love in our minds or find His favor or find His mercy, 
God made a way and sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to go and to pay for the full redemption, your full debt for you, because you couldn't pay it. And he did that by dying on the cross and paying for the penalty of your sin. That's how he made a way. He paid your debt. And when Jesus went to the cross and paid the debt, God the Father looked down and accepted and approved of his son's sacrificial death for your and my sin. And he proved that by raising Jesus Christ from the dead. And Jesus Christ is now and is eternally alive in heaven with God. And is the Lord of all. He's the Lordship of over all. He owns it. We talked about it previous Wednesdays about receiving and grabbing a hold of the scroll from the hand of the Father, right? On the throne. And it's through his death and resurrection that the Lord Jesus Christ is victorious over sin. And it's because of his death and resurrection, he has victorious, uh, victorious over death and victorious over the devil himself and all demonic forces. And when you give your life to Jesus Christ, then your life changes, everything changes completely. It's flipped upside down. And then through Jesus, you can have your sins forgiven. You can be reconciled with the Father and have that, that gap that served because of the sin that separated you from the relationship with your Father. Now you can reconcile and have that relationship because Jesus is your Redeemer and your mediator. We then can experience a spiritual new birth in our lives. Something new has now begun, and you can start this new life from this new birth going forward. Receiving that eternal life, that gift, that great, God's gracious gift of faith. And when that happens, you become a child of God and you have full access to the Heavenly Father. You can boldly come into the throne. You can open up that door and say, Dad, I'm here. I need help. Dad, I need to talk to you about this. And Dad says, come on in. Let's talk. I've been waiting for you, son. I've been wanting to talk to you. And you become a member of God's family. And then you and I start understanding the things of God. And we're able to comprehend and understand because the Spirit of God that lives within us is our helper who then helps us to bring about and illuminates the truths of God in our lives. And we become this new person with the capability of living this completely, totally new manner of life. And not only... Do you know this to be true? But it's proven to us because now the Spirit of God lives inside you and empowering you, empowering you to change and to mature as a, Christ, a Christian or a Christ-likeness in your life. 
He, God empowers you to do that. Things that you could not overcome, you're now overcoming. Things you couldn't say no to, you're able to say no to. One things you used to habitually do, you do not do habitually. And the knowledge increases. That relationship with God who you know better and more intimately increases. And it's an amazing transformation that takes place in the life of a believer. And God empowers you and I to choose his solution to that spiritual problem. He empowers us to do that when we recognize God's love. When we recognize that God loves you. Do you know you're loved? Let me tell you, you are loved. Regardless of how you feel some days, regardless of how you think some days, regardless of what some people may tell you, it doesn't change. When you're a child of God, you are loved. Even in the depths of your loneliness, you are loved and God is with you never to leave you or forsake you, the Bible says. And we must accept his truth. We must accept the truth as it's revealed through the person of Jesus Christ, our Lord. You will be enabled through by faith to what? Believe in Jesus. To receive and, and that he, that what he has done. To, to repent of your sins. To wholeheartedly to believe that the blood of Jesus Christ and that was shed on the cross provided the forgiveness of your sin. And you will not go back to sitting there and go, I'm not sure I'm, I'm saved or not. Or I'm not sure he's forgiven my sins or not. I'm not sure if I've really got eternal life or not. I'm, these things you must settle, my brothers and sisters, that when you're saved, it's done, it's complete, it's finished, done with, no more. You must move on. And as you move on, then you're able to then be empowered to understand that truth and to share that truth with someone else who still uh, Sons of disobedience, they're still unbelievers. Because you have such hope in Jesus. Then you're empowered to go and share that hope that you have in you with someone else who has no hope. And you're able to live a life, a faithful life, a loving obedience to God's word. As in the new creation... We are to live in a faithful and loving obedience to God's word. We must learn and grow in our knowledge and understanding of the Bible and allow God to continue to use that to reveal himself, to speak to us, and to biblically change us and raise us up in this new life. Now, if you reject God's truth, if you reject God's truth, you reject the Bible, you reject the fact that you don't think you need to repent of your sin and you, and you don't want to receive the gift of eternal life that God is offering you through God's Son, Jesus Christ, then you will remain under God's judgment. That's just, that's fact. That is truth, regardless of what you think. You're going to continue to be very ignorant about spiritual matters as much as you think you already know everything. You're going to be powerless to overcome the sin that's in your life that's dominating and ruining your life and others around you because sin never affects just you. It affects everyone around you. And you will be unable to please God in your life. And when that happens, my brothers and sisters, don't forget 
when you're reaching people out there, their lives were like your lives at one point. You just lived with constant headaches, constant problems, constant difficulty in your life because of the fact that you're living a life that is apart from God. Why? Because there's no peace when you're dead. <laughs> Let him, when someone dies, you hear people, oh, rest in peace. The only way that man or that woman has rest in peace if he had or she had a relationship with Jesus Christ and they're still alive and they're in heaven and embracing their Savior. That's the only time when you're dead in this, from this body is if you have peace. It's the fact that you're alive eternally. And you're going to have headaches and you're going to have problems and you're going to have difficulties because you rejected God, you rejected his, 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 his gift, then you're doomed to die in your sins. And you're under, you're under the condemnation of eternal punishment. And yes, your destination right now, currently, if you believe it or not, it's, it's irrelevant because what's, what's important, what God says, and God says, if you have not for me, you're against me, that means you're on the path to hell of being separated from him for eternity. That is truth. But if you change, but if you choose, or you decide to, to, to take an alternate route <laughs> and choose God, God's plan of salvation in Christ Jesus, to, then he will then come in, uh, you know, and to bring in this new life and these new thoughts and wisdom and desires that will come into your life that will be so radically different from then your, death, your, your dead life that you were living. You'll look at your, your own wisdom. You used to think you're so wise. All of a sudden you say, I am a, so foolish. <laughs> I am so foolish and inadequate. Uh, this is, it's unbelievable. Ah, oh, you thought you knew everything. Your thoughts were just so much better than everyone else. And then all of a sudden you get saved and you realize how, how contrary to God's ways and how wrong you were in your thinking. And it's by faith. By faith, you can take the first step of biblical change. But that's your decision. You can't, God's not going to make you. He's not going to make you. If you have never taken this first step to change biblically, you can do so right now. You can. Simply tell God that you know that you're a sinner. You know you're wicked right to the core and, and you need forgiveness of all that sin. And you're going to acknowledge, you're coming to a point after hearing already the amount of I've sharing with you, you already come to the point you acknowledge that only God is the way that you can be saved. And there's no one else can save you except Jesus Christ who came to save you on that cross. Because he alone is the only one that paid the penalty for the sin. He's the only one that only not only paid the penalty for that sin, but rose from the dead. So that you might have a new life. And by faith, receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and thank God for his grace and his love to you through Jesus. And he has not given up on you. That he kept knocking at the door of your heart and he's giving you one more opportunity to surrender your life to him. 
with absolute sincere repentance of your heart and just absolute commitment now to follow him the rest of your days of this life on this world and be obedient to his word. Now, as we continue in our studies over the next several Wednesdays, we're going to talk about many things between man's ways of solving problems and how fast that you fall short and God's solutions to solve problems. And we're going to take those piece by piece to lay them out because you and I need to understand what we base our life upon. And when we have that solidly grounded, we're able to then even more effectively share the gospel, the good news, and the hope that you have to those who are lost. The word of God has been given to man by God as the sole source for finding God's solutions to the real problems that plague you and the society. Did you know that? We watch in our news, we watch the things that are going on, and it drives me crazy to sit there and, you, and say, how do we get across to this world that God has given us the solutions to understanding of how to live a life? That the word of God he gave to us so that we could be instructed and taught and guided and changed by him. And it's right there. But it's so easy for us because all we have to do as believers is keep sharing the word of God with everybody and anybody who will listen. But one of the things you need to understand is there is a clear difference between man's ways and God's way. Man's way causes division and darkness. God's way brings a sense of contentment and joyful and peaceful way of life. It's so easy. It's such a, a, a stark contrast. For you and I as a believers, it, we can see it clearly as can be because we're not blinded like we used to be when we were a, uh, a non-believer. The Spirit of God illuminates things. We see things clearly and you think, why doesn't everyone else see this? Have you ever looked and kind of raise your voice at the television and say, don't, or the radio, don't they get it? No, they won't get it because they're blinded. Don't forget, you and I used to be like that. <laughs> And it's only by the grace of God, by grace that we've been saved to be able to see. But what's God's way? He took your life. You, he handed you a gift and you received it. And what happened? He were regenerated. We were changed. We then put off the old nature. We put off the old nature that's referenced in Romans 6.6, 6, Ephesians 4.22, and Colossians 3.9. We put off the old nature, and then we had to put something on, and he puts on us this new nature, and then he renews the spirit of our minds. 
He then continues to, as we study the Word of God and, and meditate on the Word of God, the Word of God transforms the way you think so there's more Christ-likeness. It's in line with God's will. It's what pleases Him. And that is the only way you can have your mind transformed. Not by drugs. Not by some therapy. Not by someone who's trained on therapy. The one, the key thing is, is to, the, to let you to surrender your life and then let God's, the Spirit of God, through the reading of the Word of God, transform your mind so you think differently and you think the way God thinks, which we call Christ-likeness. And then not only are you regenerated and changed, but God's way empowers and strengthens you to mature in your walk, in your, this new life that he's given you. You will learn to deny self and follow Jesus. You will learn to continue to lay aside, put off the practices, those habitual practices of self-nature and walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord, the scripture says. You will then be empowered and strengthened to be able to please God in all things that you say and do. God's plan is to not give you some ideologies to focus on, some programs to focus on, some some checklist to focus on he gives us a plan that he establishes in our lives when we give our lives to him this this true position in christ and gives provision for you and to me to be able to what forgive all of our sins to a child who understands that we're inherited we're brought in we're joint heir with christ jesus we're brought into the the heavenly family we're a citizen of heaven this is not our home. This is going to be established fact for you. We'll function and mature a member of the Christ of, of, of the body of Christ. We'll be a strong in the Lord. We'll be ambassadors of Christ. We'll be full of his peace and joy. And we'll continue to be changed by the word of God. We must choose, once you're a believer, to allow the Spirit to continue to lead us by the Spirit of God. And as He leads us, He'll bring to full understanding the things of God that we need to know. And we will be able to accomplish, to endure anything in God's will for you through Christ Jesus. Knowing that God is in what? in total control of your life. And what will happen is, is God will bear fruit in your life where you will practice biblical love. The fruit of the Spirit, the spirit of love, the biblical love. I, I say biblical love because the definition of love has been completely distorted in our understanding and vocabulary today. So I make that note, and I hope you're making I make that note as well. He will bring to you and develop into you and I about a biblical love and how he defines it. 
And that biblical love that reveals and grows and matures and is fruit coming from our lives will be the actual proving point for yourself and for others that we are a disciple of Christ. How do you know they're a disciple of Christ? How they've been being discipled up? By the love, biblical love that is coming from your life. And we'll continue next week, Lord willing, we'll continue uh, on those key points of biblical change in one's life by, by, by the grace of God. Amen?